Hey everybody, welcome back to Going for Two with Jack Taylor. My name is Jack Taylor. My name's Hunter too. We have a huge week that we are about to talk about. A huge week for Mississippi State Baseball, huge week for Going for Two, and we're excited to share all of this with you. Um, we're going to review the midweek game against Arkansas State, a good one from start to finish, um, and we're going to review our, or preview our home SEC opener this weekend against Vanderbilt. Looks like good weather is going to be in Starkville this weekend, so I expect uh, a good series, how it ends up. We, we are not responsible for, but we are excited to talk about it, preview it, and uh, hopefully Mississippi State can get on the right track this weekend. First time we've played Vanderbilt since a, a very important series in uh, our team's history. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm excited about that. Do we have but, anything else this um, week? Do mm, you want me to talk about it? Yeah, yeah, that's kind of okay. why we're here. <laughs> right, okay, so uh, after we do the midweek review we have a special interview with mississippi state alum and uh the ceo and founder and design director of Warstick. um ben jenkins is his name and uh we are super excited to talk to him we've kind of been in contact with him for the last couple of weeks and um kind of just just getting to know a little bit more about him and can't wait to talk to him and can't wait for you guys to hear that and uh it's a it's probably the Easily the biggest guest we've had on going. Yeah, too, so. I think he's a little bit better than football, Freddie. Sorry, Freddie, but it's facts. You got to graduate from Mississippi State, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, Ben played for Mississippi State. We're excited to hear more about that too. But uh, we'll save all the rest for the interview. Before we get started, we want to start uh, with Friday morning AI motivation, as we do every Friday morning episode. We're doing that right now, and here we go. Hey Bulldogs, I know you're feeling down after getting swept by Kentucky. It's not easy to lose three games in a row, especially when you have such high expectations for yourselves. But don't let this setback define you. Don't let it shake your confidence. Don't let it stop you from chasing your dreams. You're still one of the best teams in the country. You're still the defending national champions. Well, uh, you have still won more games than any other team in SEC history. You have still made history with your amazing performances at Duty Noble Field. You have still shown the world what Mississippi State baseball is all about. You have a great coach in Chris Lamonis who knows how to lead you to victory. You have a great roster of talented players who can hit, pitch, field, and run with anyone. Um, you have a great fan base who supports you through thick and thin. You have a great tradition that spans generations of Bulldog legends. You have a, everything that you need to bounce back from this slump, and you just need to believe in yourselves. You just need to work hard and smart. You just need to play with passion and pride. You just need to remember who you are and what you can do. You're Bulldogs, you're fighters, you're winners. So don't let this weekend get you down. Don't let it discourage you from your goals. Don't let it distract you from your mission. Use it as motivation. Use it as fuel and use it as a lesson. Learn from your mistakes, improve your skills, strengthen your resolve, and come back stronger than ever. You have a long season ahead of you and you have many opportunities to prove yourselves. You have many challenges to overcome. But I know you can do it. I know you will do it because you're Bulldogs, and Bulldogs never give up. So go out there and show them what you're made of. Go out there and make us proud. Go out there and win. Hail State. I just feel motivated. Like I'm, I mean, every time, I'm run every time a, that we do run it, a brick wall. it's right. The, uh, I mean, I, I feel like we can outsource some stuff here. Like, we could sell these to Chris. And, and just say, ask the AI to do it from Chris, and then it'll 
at all. No, he needs to say, you have, you have great, great coaches, coaches Chris like Lamont. Chris Lamonis. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, my, that's my idea. Anyway, so that is our AI motivation. We enjoy that every week. We hope you do too. And without further ado, let's get into our midweek review. So Tuesday night, we played Arkansas State. We kind of talked about, you know, we wanted Bradley Lofton to get another legitimate start, see if he can go six innings and, um, you know, try to prove his, uh, his like, talent level that is up there for, like, a weekend rotation spot. And um, he had his best outing of the season. You know, we – we um, I, th- I think we probably could have seen more of him. He only threw 73 pitches, I believe. Um, I think we could have seen more, but I think that also opens the door for us seeing him, if not in a starter role on Sunday, at least coming out of the bullpen at some point this weekend. Um, do you think that's a possibility? Um, early in the game, he he had like three really, really, really good innings. And it's like, okay, we're up by like 15. Let's get him out of here. That's our Sunday starter. And they kept on yeah. putting him out there, and he went like short and everything. But if they would have taken, I do, out yeah, the, I do, I do wish they had stopped at like fifty pitches, yeah, or something. Because putting him out there after seventy three, unless you're using him as like an opener, basically, that's going right. to be a little tough. Yeah, especially as a freshman, I, I'm, I'm not too certain on what kind of role we're going to see him in this weekend, but I think moving forward, he has a great shot. I mean, as good a shot as any, um, maybe outside of Cade Smith of being a weekend starter. And, you know, even Cade Smith, if he, if he comes back from injury and is not completely sharp, you know, it's, it's worth a shot given Bradley Lofton that chance. Um, but we talked about his, his, his outing being one of his best or probably the best. Um, usually his problem is the walks. It's never been about hits. It's never been, um, that, you know, the other team is hurting him. He's always just hurting himself. Uh, but he went five innings, three hits, two walks, which is the fa- the best number of the day, and nine strikeouts and zero runs. Um, like I said, all on 73 pitches. Um, and I just thought you know two walks was huge. Um, I think he gave up a base hit to the first hitter he faced in the game and then didn't give up another hit until maybe the fifth inning. Um, just really limited base runners and – I was excited to see how how good he pitched. Yeah, I don't think we've seen a walk number under five or six. So seeing two there it is it really is massive. Yeah, I I'm liking where we are with Bradley. Um, his yeah. his I know it's like PTSD for state fans, but his stuff is insane. Like yeah, it is good. And it might, I don't really know what his, um, like, mentality is. I I think you can kind of tell that when he makes a mistake, like when he walks a batter or hits a batter or even gives up a hit, which is rare, I know, um, he, he lets it really eat away at him. And it seems like he, he pitches angry, which uh, for some pitchers, that's that's the best way to pitch. But it doesn't seem like he has his best stuff when he's, like, mad at himself. Yeah. Um, and it probably hasn't helped that, you know, he's seen Gerangelo, who's also a true freshman, come in and take the Friday night role, like, immediately. That, that probably doesn't really yeah, help the him mentality. Him having but, to go out there on the midweeks and be really, really good to get a chance to be one of the weekend guys. Right. And, like, and like Gerangelo gets just, to start, but Lofton yeah. can't because of walks, and I could see that being, like, a, a weird thing for yeah. him. But, um he, he handled it really, really well Tuesday. Um, best outing of the season for him, and uh, hopefully he, he's 
well on his way to a weekend rotation spot, if not uh, this Sunday, hopefully next week. Because it kind of looks like Gartman has moved up to Saturday, mm-hmm. um, which we'll, we'll talk about this weekend in a little while. But um, continuing on with pitching for this uh, Arkansas State game, after the five innings for Lofton, we saw Nixon for the first time in a month, which was huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But we went Nixon to KC to Cole Cheatham to Logan Forsyth, and that was the that was all she wrote for the bullpen. But um, talk to me about what you saw Nixon do because I, I wasn't watching the game; I was keeping up with it on my phone. But how did he look in yeah, this game? Yeah, um, Nixon comes out and in three pitches, I think he hit three batters. Um, some would say that that's not good. Others would say that's efficient. That's more efficient of a way of loading the bases than we've seen. Um, yeah. He didn't allow any runs because he had two Ks right after that. So maybe he was getting in there like you make a simulated uh, bases loaded jam. Uh, yeah. No, that's not what happened. Uh, <laughs> Nixon hadn't pitched in a month and he was off. So yeah, uh, getting him out there. That. I mean, after after he left the game, everyone was kind of laughing about it, like including mm-hmm. Nixon after the mound meeting, and then KC comes in and KC was really really good looking, like yeah, he got. I mean, he he was only in there for a third of an inning, but he was just cleaning up what what Nixon had left on the yeah. bases. But can you imagine like Nixon was out for the month leading up to like the Ole Miss series or something? He comes in and hits the first three batters that he sees, like. <laughs> How hilarious would that be, and how quickly would he just be ejected for, you know, <laughs> causing whatever would happen? Benches might not clear, but the, I mean, the there's more a fun, the, something that would be funnier is if he hit the first three, and then they didn't score any. That, right. that would just yeah, be the best be thing ever. Yeah, or bases loaded. Kemp Alderman's up. You just hit him, and then strike out the next three guys. <laughs> so one run, but it's better than four. Um, so, yeah, that was Nixon and KC. Cole Cheatham comes in for two innings, and um, he looked pretty good. He had two walks in his uh, two innings, and both of those walks ended up scoring. Um, so, once again, you know, the the two runs that we did give up in the game, it, it wasn't even team stringing hits together. It was just walks. So, yeah, and um, we had, even in a, I think, our, like our fourth catcher in at that point. And, yeah. and no one looked very comfortable out there. But it, you yeah, know, but, it was a it was a blowout game. I I was watching Otani yeah. at this point. <laughs> yeah, by the end of the game, I, I think um, every single position player was a replacement. Like even even the catcher, like you was said, Dakota? which I didn't expect at all. Um, yeah, Bryce Chance came in for Dakota. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, we had Nate Chester at third. Marshawn, uh, he did start, but he moved over to shortstop. So I guess that was the one. Um, guy that did stay in but yeah every first yeah um and then obviously had a lot of pinch hit performances and um i just just to finish out the pitching like i said i thought everything looked good i mean it was against arkansas state i mean their offense really isn't you know anywhere close to an sec offense but pitching looked good and even in the midweeks we've struggled with walks and this time this game we just really did it so i was excited to see that um the official number we had um four walks and two of those were Cole Cheatham. Two of those were um, Bradley Lofton. So yeah, really, really good perfectly fine uh, in, in that department. The main thing would be the three hit by pitches for Nixon. But once again, <laughs> we're just accounting that to um, he was out him for, being a, out for an a month. entire month. <laughs> yeah. So um, moving on to hitting though, um, 
you know, last weekend was really poor a hitting performance for us against Kentucky. Probably one of the one of the uh, worst uh, pitching staffs in the SEC. So that was really disheartening to see. Um, all we wanted coming into this game was just you know get hits and um, not just ground out thirty times, right, or twenty seven times. 20, yeah, thirty times in a game would be would be wild. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we just didn't want to didn't want to ground out the the heavy majority of times, and um, I thought we did really, really, really well. Um, talk about what you saw hitting wise from our team. Yeah, um, those first two innings were like lightning. Like yeah, uh, we bat through. I think I think eight eight players went to the plate in the first, then ten in the second, and then in the third, I, the third may have been a short one, but. Everyone yeah. was the, you, you say it. It's just like singles and doubles, and that's yeah. Mississippi State baseball. How many runs did we have scored, but without one home run in there for a while? Um, we had four in the first, five in the second, and then four in the third. And I think that's where um, uh, Ledbetter's home run was. It, it may have been in the fourth, but so we, we scored a lot before we ever. Got yeah, a home run. so so we were just getting stringing hits together which was really nice to see. And they were walking us some, but everyone was, like, getting good contact. Um, Dakota was back out there. He hit some balls 800 feet in the air. Um, I, I don't know how he makes balls go so high in the air. Like, it's kind of crazy. I I yeah. want us to get him comfortable. That would be right. cool. I mean, if we could just get him to stop trying to hit the ball. Like, I've said this before. Get him to try to stop hitting the ball 474 feet, and he probably will do it more often that's um, also weird yeah <laughs> it really is um so yeah I, I i had a few numbers here that i wanted to point out and then um uh we can I'll, I'll give it back to you but um only eight left on base for the entire game which you know do that every game probably not the best thing but um in this game i i think it's just a uh testament to like we were getting on base and a lot of guys were scoring and when guys are scoring you don't care really how many are left on base because they were there for a reason but um only eight of the, those left on base were left by our starting hitters so um only three of those i might have said eight yeah only three of those were left by our starting hitters so i mean our starting lineup did really really well to hit with guys in scoring position with guys on base um and our starters only struck out three times so um really really excited about those numbers we were patient at the plate swung at good pitches and um and when guys were on base we got the job done which is all we're asking for when it gets to sec play so and um with how how college baseball has been this this year at least you could discount this but but you see teams get upset like this all the time now like yeah it, everything's kind of evened out right it's i mean we we saw a team in campbell a few years ago coming to our regional not gonna lie i i might have heard of them in like march madness one year or something but i had never paid attention to them as a baseball school and now they're like firmly in the top 25 um won a season series against East Carolina. Um, like, college baseball across all conferences has evened out, and I think that's just a testament to, like, how popular it's become mm-hmm. and, like, just gaining popularity, probably in in uh, big part to 11.7, just kind of growing this game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Campbell, never heard of them before they came to Starkville, and now they are a 
kind of a powerhouse in the mid-majors. So um, midweeks like this, really, really hard to like just gloss over how well we do in these. But yeah, I'm, I'm proud of it. Yeah, because cause we could sit here and be like, oh, it's only a midweek. I, I mean, I was happy about us beating Southern Miss. <laughs> yeah. It's right. It, it it's baseball. I mean, uh, before last year, I think like Lamonis, or like Mississippi State was probably one of the best teams in the country at these midweek games. Like we, I think we went two seasons in a row with that without losing one, uh, and that's including you know the games in Biloxi to Texas Tech and uh, Southern Miss and I mean good teams. They're not all Arkansas State, Arkansas Pine Bluff, you know, UL Monroe. I mean they're 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 good teams and. Um, yeah, it's they're becoming you know, like just, South just, Carolina got. I I know Charlotte's a whole lot better than Arkansas State, but South Carolina's right. like in the top ten, and they they lost six to two against uh, Charlotte. Like it's yeah, it's 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 kind of kind of crazy how how level the playing field is. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I thought. Looked really well. Looked really, really good. Uh, every every starter that we had on offense did get a hit, except for Amani. And Amani reached base three times and scored three times. So not really worried about that. I call um, that the Amani line. <laughs> he has he did kind of slump there for a few games and after reaching base in like the first seventeen games of the year. Um, but he still an on base machine and um, he's he's still the guy that I want at the top of my lineup. You see, the issue um, is, is you acknowledged the, um, the, he got on base. Yeah, shut up. And then yeah. it stopped for a while. And, and that wasn't very good for the dogs. Yeah. I just chose a poor time to, mm-hmm. um, bring it up. But yeah. It's kind of like when we brought up that KJ Costello was going to get a statue at the wrong yeah, time. That was the only reason he didn't get it. That one. was just wrong place, wrong time. No such thing. No such thing. Well, do you have anything else on the Arkansas State game? I really don't. Um, and, uh, yeah, pitching looked good. Um, exactly what you expect from a midweek, and we don't take them for granted, like we said. But, uh, yeah, glad to get this big win. Didn't have a 10-run rule, so we got to play the full nine innings, got to see guys that we really have not seen much of at all. And, um, yeah, excited to excited to see some of those guys and um so now we're going to move on to our interview with ben jenkins all right hey everybody we're back and um we have with us right now the ceo founder and i think the design coordinator what, what's your official role sounds with, good uh, i said there, there we go okay but it's ben jenkins I, I, of Warstick, and uh yeah what's up ben hey nice to, nice to meet you guys <laughs> I go yeah, by really design good. director, but it's whatever. I, I'm not really big into the okay. title. Yeah, it's okay. I did. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Yep. Well, um, Warstick, um, we're, we're going to give you a chance to just kind of tell everybody what that is, and I'm not going to try to okay. butcher it anymore. So, if you want to just talk mm. about, you know, time leading up to college and college baseball, Warstick, we're just giving you the floor. We're going to shut up and just let you talk for a minute. Oh man, that's a dangerous thing to do. Um, <laughs> They call me Longwinded. My my nickname is Longwinded Jenkins, so that's a dangerous <laughs> thing to do. Um, well, let me see if I can keep it short. Um, 
I mean, basically, the you know, I think Mississippi State is a pretty good place to start. Before that, I just, you know, I grew up here in Texas where I'm at, and uh, I grew up doing two things. I was playing sports, as many sports as I can. I played football and baseball and track and all, you know, whatever I could get my hands on or what they'd let me do. And um, that was kind of one side of my life. The other side was behind the scenes, I was doing a lot of, you know, art and, you know, drawing and painting and playing with Legos and all kinds of stuff. So I kind of grew up with this dual uh, thing where I, you know, I was kind of a jock in one sense. And then I was kind of an artistic kid and into music and all kinds of things on the other side. So really when I got to college, you know, I, I really did try hard on the sports and baseball kind of turned into the thing. And uh, I was, you know, fortunate enough to somehow get it, get, you know, get on the baseball team at Mississippi State. And, uh, and that was really what I was, that was my main focus and what I was there to do. But you know, fortune kind of had, you know, I was not the most highly recruited player. I was not, you know, by any means some kind of all America or anything, but I was a really good athlete. But um, I, you know, kind of lucked out in that getting to Mississippi State helped me. I had a great time on the baseball side. It was rough. It was tough. It was, it was, it, like I said, I wasn't a highly recruited player. So I had to work my butt off to get yeah. into the lineup over the, over time and all that, you know, um, and that taught me a lot, which actually carried into this war stick thing that I can explain later. But, um, you know, I had teach, you know, I had teachers at Mississippi state that in the art department that really helped me figure out what I was good at, you know, what I had kind of a natural talent for that could be developed, you know, and like, um, I was first studying architecture, but that was pretty tough to do with, with baseball. I just didn't really have time to do both. So I started getting back to drawing and painting, but I had a teacher named Brent Funderburg who is actually still around there. Okay. Oh no, I think his I think his uh, browser closed. Yeah, so um you know in college um I really was there to play baseball, but um I was I was studying architecture and they kind of kicked me out of there cuz they're like, "Hey, you got to do baseball or architecture. You can't do both because it's too time consuming." And so I went to the art department and I was really getting back to what I did as a kid, which is like drawing and painting and stuff like that. But um, I had a teacher named Brent Funderburg, my painting teacher, kind of look at me and say, hey, you know, I've got an idea for something you actually might be really, really good at. And if you worked at it and that turned out to be graphic design, he took me into graphic design class. And I kind of instantly, once I understood it, what it was, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, this is kind of cool. I like this. Um, and, you know, and it, and it just kind of set me off. I mean, that right there changed my life because at that point, that's essentially what I've done for 20 years is be a, be a designer, a graphic designer slash product designer slash kind of, you know, even interiors and architecture and all kinds of stuff. So anyway, when baseball, you know, baseball, I had a good senior year and I, and I had a lot of fun. And then I got to play for the Philadelphia Phillies in the minor leagues for a while. And um, when that was done, I went to grad school in Chicago to study a little bit more design, honestly, to delay my adult life a little further. And then at a certain point, you know, I'm like, okay, I got to work. And I just started freelancing. I really couldn't get a job. Um, no one wanted to hire me, um, for whatever reason. Um, not polished enough, did too many different things. I don't know, but I couldn't get a job. So I just started freelancing and that turned into, uh, getting some jobs and then really turning that into my design firm called One Path Buffalo. Um, so essentially what I did and still kind of do, um, 
beyond Worsted because I, I basically I have a branding firm where I help people name their companies or their products and I help create the identity and the, you know, like the aesthetic of what that looks like and sounds like. So that's really kind of where I cut my teeth on for a long time, you know, and then um, Warstick was kind of a side project that came out of that um, after doing that for a long time. It's kind of a break from it um, and just, just to kind of have fun, see if I could create a little product. And I'd always admired my client's entrepreneurial side. Um, yeah. But I was like, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm like, I feel like I could try this. Like, I don't have anything to lose. I got a cool gig going on, but it'd be cool to do like a product and, 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 and people online businesses were starting to really come on at that time, you know, people selling stuff online. So it worst took at the beginning was just really simple. It was like you would get on there and you would order a custom wood bat, you'd pick your colors and I'd have it made, had a little partner that would make it and it would ship it to you. Really simple. That's all it was when it started, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's oh, cool. That, that's really cool. Like the, the origin of it and, um, how, how like the influence of um, a certain teacher at state uh, can like put yeah. you down the, like that certain that path for yourself no, and that's, how everything that's what like, teachers do man back together like that um, no I mean I yeah I got an award I got a fellows award at Mississippi State this past year which is super big honor and I was like it was so cool because I got to thank you know I got to thank coach Polk um for the things that I learned during baseball and I got to think that teacher, you know, and at the end of the day, it's like, I wouldn't be doing anything that I'm doing. That had not been for ending up at state, you know, and I could have never planned how it was going to happen, you know, but I'm super thankful for, I mean, it's what teachers do. You know, they, mm -hmm. they look at you and they're like tough love. They're like, Hey, I know you're trying to do this, but I think you'd be better at this. I mean, that's it. <laughs> so right. I'm really thankful for that. And I, I'm always appreciative of it. So this is this is really cool. So uh, my mom, she went to Mississippi State, got an art degree. Mm -hmm. She was going there, I think, for an art degree, but ended up getting a graphic design degree. And everybody oh, wow. that she's talked to since then that has gone there and taken any sort of art class, uh, she has always recommended Brent Funderburk. So that's a name that I've heard my entire life, uh -huh. just from my mom, like recommending him yeah, to, to people. And and he is, uh, for, from what I've heard, he's changed a lot of people's direction just by telling them Absolutely. what they would be better at. So. That's really cool to hear yeah. that you're one of those. hundred percent. That's, but, that's really crazy. That's awesome. And it doesn't surprise me at all right? to hear that. Um, yeah. I'm just one of hundreds, right? So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sticking with uh, the Mississippi State, do you have a Ron Polk story mm. that, that, that we could hear? Mm. Any, anything, anything funny, anything crazy? Oh man, that's <laughs> a hard one. Um, oh man. God, that's, you got me right there. It's just the Ron Polk story is just the Ron Polkness of Ron Polk. You know what I mean? Like it's right. like, it's, it's just that he's such his own person and such a unique individual. My name's um, on the stadium. I'm a smoke in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean like just little things going back that, you know, like driving on, you know, we're driving on the bus from like Auburn back to Starkville and you know, he lights up a cigar, a cigar in the front of the bus and that wouldn't happen these I mean, and I'm talking the whole way home, you know? And, right, yeah. and he'll tell you, you know, he'll tell you that, um, he told me a while back that when we were going through COVID, I was checking in on him and stuff and he said, I'm fine. This cigar smoke just protects me from it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, That's sure. Awesome. Okay. Like, you you know, that was his, he's just a very unique individual and he's completely, he treats 
I mean, what everybody will tell you is he treats all of his ex-players, whether you were a star or whether you were a bench guy or whatever, like family. Like he knows all my kids' names. He knows what they're doing. He keeps in touch. He writes handwritten letters letters to everybody. And that's that goes back for me now like 20, over 20 years, you know. And it's, it's just a unique thing. Um, like I can't – I actually appreciate him more and more over time than I did when I was playing for him. You know what I mean? Because right. to see how dedicated he That's is awesome. to that. And it's just, it teaches you like he, you know, he's, he's built something by focusing on the one important thing to him, you know, and there's a lot to be learned from that. So, but man, like the guy, the guy's umpire fights are the most classic thing <laughs> of all time. I, I've never seen anybody argue. He would, cause he was not a fiery guy. Like, if you made an error, which I made plenty of, or if you struck out or you you really screwed up and lost the game for him, which I did, he didn't say a thing to you. He would sit there and write in his notepad. But if an umpire wronged his players, I mean, it was like World War Three. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like there's probably videos of this on YouTube at this point of him. And it was just awesome. Like we were like, oh, hell yeah, let's go. All right, here we go. Like watch this. Like you wanted it to happen so bad because it was like this is going to be fun. And he, oh man, he has this story, like he told an umpire, oh, I'm going to get this wrong. Um, the umpire, oh yeah, that's what it is. I think it's uh, the umpire kicked him out of the game and he said, get out of here where I can't see you. So then he walked behind home plate and he said, what are you doing? He's like, well, you obviously can't see back here, you know, <laughs> just classic yeah. like that. That's you know, he's a funny, he's a funny, he's a funny guy, but I really love the guy. Like I consider him like a extended family. Right. Uh, and, you know, any, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go, no, you go. No, 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 you go. Uh, during my time in Starkville, uh, it was like the Starkville bucket list. Like people would say like, they just wanted to go to Ron Polk's house. Cause he's kind of like opens yeah. up these tours where it's just like a museum of all the baseball memorabilia you can imagine just all over the place. Yeah. You just walk through it. No, I've heard about like, and... I actually haven't even seen that yet, but cause I, you know, you should have seen it when I was playing. He had this office office over in the Humphrey Coliseum where the baseball offices used to be. And you yeah. would walk into this room and there was not a single square inch of the wall that was not covered with some kind of photo or memorabilia or something. It was unbelievable. Like the most cluttered but awesomely cluttered, chaotic. It, they should have just froze that office in time is what they should have done, to be honest with you. Because right. it was a Cigar living museum. <laughs> Oh, it had the best smell. I'll never forget the smell of it. You know, like fall practices in is over and you go in and have your fall evaluation and you go into Coach Polk's office and it's just, I'll never forget that smell ever. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, also did, did a little bit of deep dive of your time at Mississippi State and I think the years mm. were 94, 95, 96. Um, yeah. Winning record against Ole Miss during those years. So, uh, oh, wow. props to you for that. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know how, per- I don't know how personal the rivalry was for you, but I mean, that's, that's a big deal. In Mississippi State, so. um, well, I was from Texas, so it wasn't, I had to learn that part, you I'm know. Sure I'm sure I actually, at my, time. <laughs> yeah, it has actually grown with time. And then, and I've got buddies that played at Ole Miss that, you know, it's fun. But like, I learned to hate, you know, who I hated when I was there because it was in my time, LSU was just dominant over everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, in the 90s. And good Lord. I mean, Todd, I mean, it was, it was something. So I learned to kind of, for me, it was kind of all about LSU, 
Um, you know, so, but no, as a Texan, I, I didn't grow up with the old Miss, Mississippi State thing. So that was learned behavior. But naturally, I hated LSU and I still hate purple to this day and stand it. <laughs> purple should be banned. Yep. No good. There's nothing, there's nothing good about purple. I grew up as an LSU fan, but then I switched. Uh, Mm. We so. got him right in his way. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, like so as we move, championships, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah. So as we as we move on from Mississippi State and get into to Warstick, which um, mm. I mean, you, you've talked a little bit about, but um, talk about your design firm for a second. One fast Buffalo, mm. and as we look through like Warstick and the logos that exist now for them, mm. like the Buffalo, the Arrowhead. There's obviously some inspiration mm. from Native American culture. Where did that start? Mm. Well, I kind of skipped over that um, in my in my kind of long-winded story about my life. Um, so when I was in grad school in Chicago, I kind of took a year off. I was studying some film as well and just randomly ended up kind of working and doing a live-work situation where I was helping some professors make a documentary on uh, the Pine Ridge, Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota, which is a pretty heavy place. It's like one of the poorest places in That's the country. That's the Lakota Sioux, right? Yeah, absolutely. So like, it's a very politically volatile place as well. So like in the seventies, um, uh, you know, there were some FBI agents killed there and, um, uh, it's, it's where Wounded Knee is. So the Wounded Knee, Wounded Knee Massacre, the 1890. And, um, so it's, it's just a heavy place. And for me as a, just a yeah. suburban kid from Dallas, being there just kind of reshaped my worldview to a good extent, I would say. And, it just had a big effect on my outlook about the world, you know? Um, and right. from there just meant, um, you know, there was connections to some Nate, some buddies that I kept in touch with and then I would meet other buddies and stuff. And so there was just a small connection to native culture and the, and more of the con contemporary situation of native people that, um, I don't know, for me, it was something I just couldn't ignore. Like it, it was this thing that, that was, it was a heavy thing. I mean, it's the heaviest thing on this continent that's ever happened. I mean, there was a real genocide, attempted genocide here. And it's like, hey, this is heavy, you know. And for me, like, it just had an effect on my outlook in, in the world. And um, so it was also a learning process about learning about, you know, um, the perspective of natives today and what they deal with and, 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 and that they're not fictional characters in the Old West, you know, that they're living, breathing people that – have today, but there, you know, there's a, you know, there's, it's a complex situation, but anyway, um, so with war stick, there's, I'm always really trying to do anything native quote unquote, especially from a graphic standpoint. Um, it's more that, you know, there's a lot of things. I, I'm also a very outdoorsy person. I, I, I spend a lot of time in the West and, and just the mountains and I love Western. I love the landscape of the West and, and, and the animals of the West and all that kind of stuff. So all that meaning of all these things kind of flows into what I do. Because as an artist, what happens is when, you, when you're around things and you absorb what's around you, that stuff flows back through you. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. yeah. I'm trying to just process what I'm experienced, you know. And then what we do is we turn around and I think every business today really should have, um, you know, if it does good, it should do some good things and help people. So um we have a cause called the uh, Native uh, Native American Stick Warriors Fund, which is basically just we do things to raise money through it could be a charity or events or this and that or just profits from our sales. And we essentially are trying to support Native youth one to let them know that they're important and 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 
two to really try to get them involved in sports, especially like baseball, because it just helps you in your life to do something hard like that and to be athletic and stuff like that and, and try sports. So there's just a cause connection there, you know, but that's where it came from. If you wanted to know, you know, so, right. um, okay. yeah. Awesome. And it's just, yeah, it's just a part of my life. Like, again, something I didn't really plan to happen or anything just kind of happened. And, um, you know, I just felt like I get energy from that. So it needs to get circled back into that, okay. you know? Yeah. Awesome. That is that's super cool. It's really cool um, that I've also been there. <laughs> like the same Yeah. Thing. Yeah, I mean if you're if you ever go if you're in South Dakota and someone takes you to wounded knee and explains to you what happened there mm-hmm. and it doesn't affect you, I mean I don't like know. I don't know wrong. how it would <laughs> a little bit like Yeah. I think when you really understand what happened there, it's not something that you can You can't uh, you can't shake. I couldn't shake it. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. So, but it, but then it's a learning process can occur from there, you know? So, yep. So from like a, from like a 10,000 foot view, we can see like war stick, you make baseball bats mm-hmm. there in the past few years, or I don't know, maybe months. I mean, more sports equipment has started coming out, but it started out, like you said, with baseball bats. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the, the mentality I think is, is what I've gathered is what drives it all. Like, the the quote, it's not the weapon, it's the warrior. Could you talk a little bit about that and just, just what that means to you guys? Yeah. Ironically, I think subconsciously that all came from my time at Mississippi state as well, believe it or not. Um, because when I started, you know, when I said, okay, I'm going to start a baseball bat company. Okay. What's it called? What's it about? Well, the one thing that was good about me as a player is I would play all out. I would play hard. Like I didn't have that problem. Like if I was playing, I was trying to beat your ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was. I had that part of Jake Mangum in me. <laughs> yeah. But That's who I'm picturing right now. Did you have like the bat yeah. and, like over three fifty part of Jake Mangum? Nope. <laughs> no, and I'll tell you no, and I'll tell you why. Like actually, athletically, I I actually I had I didn't have any problems with I mean I was plenty good of an athlete but the problem with me <laughs> the reason I'm such a good designer is I'm a perfectionist yeah well mm-hmm. as a baseball player that's probably the especially a hitter it's probably the last thing you would want to be mm-hmm. because yeah yeah as you as, as you've heard a million times baseball is a sport of failure and seven out of ten times you fail and you're in the hall of fame and all this all these cliches well it's absolutely true well when you're a perfectionist that's pretty hard to deal with so when I was on I was on you know what I mean? And I was really streak. I was streaky to the nth degree. So when I was off, my mind would really make it even worse than it was. And I, I didn't understand this course when I was 20 years old. Right. But later on, I kind of, I was like, Oh, so I just, I didn't have that. When you're a baseball player, you've got to be able to just step past the failure and move on to the next at bat. And so when I say I struggled in college, it wasn't because I was a bad athlete. It was because mentally I struggled with that as much as anybody ever has because of actually some thing that as a designer, as a designer, it's great to be a perfectionist. You just keep grinding on stuff until it's perfect. You know what I mean? So really with war stick, it was like, okay, I wanted the feeling and the energy of that all out war of like, of like when you're in the game, you're there to win like that. You think of that Jake Mangum, but the mentality part really comes from this desire of mine to really help kids not be like I was. And Hey, you got, you got to let things go. You got to, 
you, if you fail, it's a learning opportunity, not, Hey, I just suck. You know what I mean? There's so much, there are so many layers to all that mentality stuff, but like Warstick for me was an, a therapeutic in a way, but also like an opportunity to, to help step back and see that, but like help young, young kids, you know, really excel by understanding those things that I just didn't understand. I just didn't, you know, and Jake Mangum kind of naturally is right. Like he has the, yeah. him and he, he has the ability to do that, you know, and that's why he was able to do the things and is still doing what he's doing because he really just has this ability to see failure as an opportunity to learn and get better, which is easy to say, but it's very hard to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? So right. the mentality, my time at Mississippi state as an athlete was the hardest time because I was up in division one baseball and I'm trying to, you know, like I said, it was a constant uphill battle that I eventually am very proud of fighting through. And, you know, and I had a really good senior year and for me and, and got to play some pro ball. So it was a success, but it, man, it was hard, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it was hard mentally to get through all that. And by the time I got to pro ball, honestly, I was mentally exhausted. So, um, you know, really and truly like without playing and going through all that, I don't know that that ever will, would have really manifested itself into some brand like Warstick, you know, and especially with this brand mentality and these kids cutting their hair, cutting a logo in their hair that kind of represents all that and their parents understanding what it means. And it's kind of like a, it's a little bit of a cult, but like in a good way, you know? Um, yeah. But the kids, I've seen kids, I've seen videos of kids on YouTube of like, I saw this nine-year-old kid one time explaining the Warstripe logo to, you know, to his little audience and I'm like this is so cool man like that's cool that you know because you don't see like, yeah you, you don't see I mean I love I mean there's obviously amazing brands in the world but you don't see a lot of them getting cut into people's hair <laughs> you know yes. so as if, it's, as if it's some kind of uh, little religion but it's very positive and, and we've seen parents parents really get into war stick because they see that positive influence on their kids especially like a kid that's kind of shy but he really blossoms and starts to build confidence in baseball. If you don't have confidence, man, you're done, you know? So, and that extends to life, you know, baseball, the reason you should play baseball as a kid is not because you, is it's an opportunity to get to the major leagues and become rich. It's because it's extremely hard and it's going to make you deal with life better. And that's why you should play. So, um, we all want to get to the big leagues, but only 1200 a year do. So, um, I think the, you know, the effect of baseball is to go through the hardship of it, you know? and come out the end stronger person. So, and that's where all the battle comes from and, and all that. So, you know, right. And touch on, touch on that logo or that, uh, quote one more time. It's not the, the, uh, weapon, it's mm. the warrior. I know I've heard yeah. you say in an interview, like it's not the goal for war stick for every major league baseball player, every college baseball player to be carrying a war stick bat. Like that's not necessarily the goal. And yeah. it's not the goal to like tell players like, if you use our bat, you're going to hit a home run. Like you're going to, you're going to bat 500. You're going to do, well, do that. Yeah. I mean, well, like, I don't mind if a lot of people buy our stuff. Right. But the point right, is right. I feel disin, yeah. I feel disingenuous going to a nine year old kid and telling that kid, which is really what's common in our industry that, Hey, this bat has got like some special magic technology in it. That's <laughs> yeah. going to actually make you hit better because the reality is, if you look at a bat, whether it's a youth bat or a, high school, a college bat, there's a stamp on it. Well, that's a regulation in terms of performance. It's like a performance ceiling stamp. Mm -hmm. They're regulated like stock cars. And they're all as hot so as they you can. Can. 
Yeah, and if and it really is. If they get hotter, they really do get banned. We've seen it uh, the last couple of years. We've seen some brands bats get banned because they tried to cheat the system. It just doesn't fly. So to me, like to tell a kid that that's your sales pitch is very disingenuous and not true. And right. since we have a mentality to preach, I mean, a brand is about like a feeling and a, and, a, and something that inspires you to 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 you know, to be excited about what it is, you know? So what you should be excited about as a player is yourself and what you can do. Right. And you should, you should be able to walk up to the plate like Jake Mangum. I mean, yeah, he picks bats, but the reality is Jake could walk up to the plate with a newspaper, uh, a roll of newspaper and probably get a hit because he just yeah. believes in himself that much. And so Jake, that's why Jake's such a good representation of what we're about because he's not relying on the bat to do the job. He's relying on himself, which is what you need to be yeah. doing, you know? And so that's just what we're lucky in that the brand is about something beyond just uh, technology and, and stuff. We have all that, you know, and we look and we and our stuff looks cool and all that. But there's the magic part of it really is that mentality um, that people feel, you know, and it's why I think now we are getting into things beyond baseball, because I just think the word war stick has nothing to do with baseball. The mentality applies to almost all sports, especially the hard ones like golf. Pretty mental game, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> you know. Um, pretty mental game. So we're, you know, we're starting to. That's where we're at. Is the baseball is kind of it's been built. It's really working. It's kind of a mainstream brand now, um, and it's like, hey, let's let's bring this to the other stick athletes. Is kind of what we're kind of where we're at with it because that mentality just plays exactly the same. Right. So, um, yep. I did see on the website, uh, Missouri college baseball team. Mm, are they yes. fully war stick? Is that right? Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up. <laughs> yeah. I got a, got a, got a, no offense. Tennessee last week with the bats too. I'm very glad you brought that up. I mean, yeah. yeah. yeah Tell like, us about it. yeah. Like, so sponsoring, uh, D one programs is something that's been going on even since I played and you know, where you, you know, you're, you're providing the team free gear, um, very expensive. And there's even, you know, paying, you know, coach usually gets a little bit and stuff like that. Now even NIL is involved in that. So it's an yeah. expensive big boy game to play. So we've, we haven't, it just, you know, in the past years, we just went quite to the level where we were ready to do that. And, um, you know, what happened is last year, um, Missouri reached out to us because my business partner is Ian, his name is Ian Kinsler. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, ex Texas Ranger hall of fame, uh, Texas Ranger and four-time all-star and great major league player. Series champion. Yeah. Yeah. World Series champion, all this. So he actually, um, was drafted out of Mizzou back in the day. Okay. So the coach there really was not happy. The players really did not like, I won't mention the brand, but they did not like the products that they were using from this other brand. They dropped it and they reached out to us and said, would you consider sponsoring us? We really love your what you got going and and the fact that Ian's you know alumni and stuff like that and we talked about it like and Ian actually goes well I mean it was funny because he's like well they're they're not good like they finished last in the <laughs> SEC I love that and I and I but I but I talked to the I met the coaches and I just had this feeling I was like you know what though I feel like these coaches are really in it and to to get better and yeah. hey man they they like what we're about maybe and I go look What's more Warstick, and I'll say names here, is it is it to go work with Vanderbilt? 
who everybody thinks is one of the best programs in the country and is in anything but an underdog? Or is it worth it to go work with exactly the underdog? Yeah. And Ian's like, the underdog. Well, so it's like, screw it. Let's go. Let's go for it. You know, because it's not about, I mean, there's still an SEC team, Mm -hmm. you know, despite the, I mean, if you're in the SEC, you're good. Now, is your record going to be good? Missouri no, because you might get beat to hell. Past two years. <laughs> exactly. I actually, I actually knew that too. I was like, these guys got a little scrap to them, you know. So it's amazing because we started working with them this past fall. We went out there. We kind of really started interacting with them. We kind of got the mentality into them. And I'm not taking credit here, but it just fit. Like it was like, man, these guys kind of are us. Like this, they're kind of this feels awesome right. Just looking from the outside, and they, dude. They don't have kids getting paid NIL money there. No. They don't have big-time recruits there, but they're kicking people's butt. And mm-hmm. so as we got this season going, you know, they beat Texas their second game. They mm-hmm. beat uh, TCU. They were like, hey, this is – wow, this is a little something. This is looking better. Well, yeah. when they start – when I saw on the schedule that Tennessee number two, number two in the country, Tennessee, was, you know, there. I'm not sitting there saying I was going to pick them to win all three games. But, boy, was I like – Hell yes, let's go! Like, and at this point, I mean, I think they're seventeen and three, and they're ranked fifteenth in the country. And I honestly think they could be ranked higher than that. But like, even they played Kansas last night; they're tied up three zero in the ninth, and they're just like, no pressure. I mean, they're just like, yeah, we're gonna get out there and win it now. And they scored five runs in the ninth and won. And I'm just like, this is a team. Like, you nailed it. Like, there's something. There's something still in this age of NIL that's like, hey there's still the concept of a team and the fact that right. you go out there and just you're, you're about winning and holding your teammates accountable to this is what we're here to do. That's, and I'm not talking, I mean, with Mississippi state right now, I feel like there's a little bit of, we got so good, so big that maybe there's a thing in baseball that, you know, kids grew up showcasing and it's all about me, me, me and showcasing. It's not necessarily about, I want to compete. I mean, there was a reason we won a lot when Jake Mangum was here. There was a reason. I mean, Rowdy Jordan and uh, Tanner Allen, those two right. bros, they will beat your ass. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. all they care about. And I will ne- like, I, I could watch Tanner Allen play all day. Like, mm-hmm. I just, like, that kid is just going to, he's out there to beat you. And that's really what he cares about. And that's important. You know, you can look, you can have blue chippers up and down the lineup. But if you don't have that mentality, especially in college baseball, I don't work. And I think Missouri's got a lot of that, man. They have a lot. And so it's like I'm super happy that we took this chance on this underdog and they're going out there and doing that. It's like such a good showcase for what we're about. And the bats now, look that's so not cool to say that uniforms, I must say. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, they're black and gold. We're black and gold. And we've got the, so nice. the bone sabers, the off-white and – I mean, it's just flowing, man, and they're using our gloves and batting gloves, and um, and next year they'll be into, we'll have helmets and protective gear and all kinds of stuff, and uh, I don't know, maybe even their uniforms at some point, so like... Y'all did that with... Yeah, uh, man, like, it's hard, like, I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a Mizzou Tiger in a lot of ways right now, so... Um, what'd you say, yeah, Israel? Y'all did uh, Israel's uniforms mm. in the World Baseball Classic, right? Yeah, we actually, so Ian played, uh, Ian played... For Israel in the Olympics last year, which led to him being the manager uh, in the World Baseball Classic. So, um, yeah, like so, we're just trying to help out in any way we could, and um, and again, another underdog there, and um, yeah, so I got to design the uniforms for that. It was really cool, and um, you know, seeing those out there, and I, 
most of the comments we got were like, hey, these might be the best uniforms in the in the World Baseball Classic. And um, I think there's some really, bad really ones. Nice. But I thought they looked cool. And right. But they looked they fit them, you know, what they're about. They were classy, but they had a little spice to them and, uh, and, uh, represented, you know, used their symbols well and all that. So it was cool. And they won a game. Sorry. They were in the toughest. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, right. I mean, they had to play Dominican. I mean, it was, why were they in that? I was like, Hey, let me, let me pick the, <laughs> let me pick uh, the three hardest teams for you to play. And then they beat, I mean, but the, the end of the day, they showed that they can play and hang and, um, they won a game and they get to go back. So yeah. that was kind of the goal. Yeah. And hopefully not be in that pool next time. <laughs> right. I know you've mentioned his name a few times, Ian Kinsler, but also Jack White. Mm-hmm. Talk about what those two guys mean to Warstick and to you personally. Well, I mean, at this point, six years into it, I mean, they're good or bad, sadly or not. Like, they're some of my, they're kind of my best friends. You know, like, we text yeah. each other every day as a group. And it's just like you would, if you were on a team with some other guys, you know, I might text each other every day. But they're, on one level, they're, um, you know, they were at first they were investors, right? And they were, I made them co-owners and that turned into what it turned out is like, you know, War Six kind of two things. It's kind of like design and creativity smashed together with high performance. Well, I mean, Jack represents the creativity and he loves design and Ian represents the high performance. And so they're like living, breathing um, examples of, the two parts of Warstick and I'm kind of the middle piece, you know what I mean? That kind of glues those things together, whatever. So right. they, to me and my, a lot of people, I mean, no one blamed me for becoming business partners with a major league baseball player, having a um, baseball bat company. But yeah, there was definitely people that were like, wait, why would you have this rock star guy that has nothing to do with baseball? And I was like, well, yeah, one, 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 he loves baseball, but two, wait, look at what we do. Like we are, I mean, I did this to add creativity into the baseball world. And he's one of the coolest, most respected artists around. And my thing was like, can I even hang with that? You know, <laughs> well, I'm going to try. And then, I'm, you know, they've just been super supportive the entire time and, and opened up all kinds of doors and connections. And I've got, I've got some really, I've met some, I mean, it's made my life really interesting. I mean, I've met all kinds of people I never would have met. You know, and it's not that they like me, but I'm fine, but they like what we created, you know? And so like, I don't know, like, it's just made my life fun. Like I've, I've met some really cool people that I never thought I would get to meet, you know, I'm not whoever it may be like, you know, other famous people that I should never meet, (laughs) right? You know, stuff like that. And then I'm like, why am I having this conversation? Like, and it's because of this thing we created. You know, it's not just because I'm interesting. It's like it's there's the connection, you know, to that, um, and that appreciation of art or whatever it may be. So, yeah, you can just look at the three I, of you. Like, I saw a picture of the three of you together, and like, yeah, you can see mm-hmm. where you and Ian like fit into this. But yeah, Jack just, I mean, doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't really look the part, really. But uh, I mean, it, it's really no. cool to see how. All of y'all's talents have kind of fit together to, to create what what yeah. is now Warstick. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's yeah, no so, if you're going to try to create something, if you're going to try to disrupt a market, you're not going to do it by being conventional and being just another exactly. uh, version of what everybody else has ever done. So Jack, you know, Jack is kind of the, I mean, he's as different. He's his own guy as you can be. You know, what I mean, he doesn't yeah. give a crap what anybody thinks he should do or how he should do it or. I mean, he's a pure artist, man. So uh, 
it's been really inspiring to get to know him and just try to chase him. Honestly, <laughs> keeps me up every day because I know when I get up in the morning, he's up working. You know, so. Yep. No, the, the and you know it's funny. There's a Mississippi State. You don't. Know, here's a story for you. So, 2000. This is quick. 2000. I think Rooker was still there. It was 2015. Before I maybe a year before I'd met Jack. And I've always I was a big fan and listened to his music and did all kinds of you know I'd listen to in the office and all kinds of stuff. But 2015, I'm sitting there on Instagram, and I'm like, holy crap! There's I follow Mississippi State and. One day, all of a sudden, Jack's there's a picture of Jack and the entire Mississippi State baseball team. And if you look what? on, yeah, if you look on, if you scroll back to Warstick in 2015, I actually posted it on Warstick. I was like, this is so cool. Jack White is at Warstick, is at uh, Mississippi State. And he, he had played a show at the Hump. And then they were having fall practice, and he it's he loves baseball, so he went over and watched fall practice. And then someone figured out that he was there. And then all of a sudden, he's on the field with the whole team taking a picture. And I think Rooker's in the picture. I mean, flash forward a year later, no, I mean, like planning to become Jack, Jack White's business partner is not, I couldn't have planned it. It just happened. And it's just, I was like, we were laughing. I was like, it's funny. I, I actually posted about you being with the Mississippi state a year ago. And then all of a sudden we were business partners. So it's weird. Like how things, this whole thing, a lot of it is just like, I, it just, things happen and you're like, you just were like, cool. I have no idea how this happened, but I'm glad, you know? But yeah. So anyway, right. little tidbit. Uh, I, earlier on, you did mention just how small the business was when you started. And you know, somebody goes online, orders a bat, then mm. you, know, mm. you ship out that bat. Now, I mean, we've seen the pictures and videos of this uh, headquarters mm. flagship store in mm-hmm. Dallas. And so how has, how has that store alone like just changed, changed the business? Have you, how has Warstick changed because of it? Um, I wouldn't say, I mean, honestly, (laughs) the store is more of about having a home and being more tangible because we were at that point, we were all online. You could find us only online. And it was just kind of like it, Worsic just needed to become more of a thing you can experience in real life, I guess you would say. Yeah. And it's really meant to be that, like, it's meant to be a place where fans from all over the country come and kind of feel and be in Warstick as opposed to just see it. You know what I mean? It's, it's um, kind of like when Yeti like made their big headquarters in uh, Austin. Yeah. I mean, like, it was a grounding thing and it just made everything feel a little bit more real to people. But the reality is like, I mean, there's a, our flagship store is there, but it's like, it's, I mean, it's so, it's pretty small sales compared to the general big scope of what we do online and with, through all of our okay. retailers, like exporting goods and shields and stuff like that. But it's more of a brand thing where it's like, it's like going to visit. I mean, if you're a fan of a brand and you get to visit their headquarters, it's just a cool thing, you know? And ours is right. very, like, you don't walk out. I've never, you don't walk out of there like, eh, that was all right. Like, that doesn't happen. Like, you walk in there and you're like, damn, <laughs> this place is cool. You know, yeah. it's not what you would ever expect. It turns baseball up on, upside down on its head. Like, it's not, like, you don't walk in there and just, like experience like a baseball thing like it's not that at all um it's it's like if the brand like manifested itself into a building that's what it is you know and that's again that's very driven by jack you know right um and jack's inspiration for doing that the Mm. color scheme logo i mean it it all just it's like the online store just 
just yeah. throw up on a building. It's, it's, it's exactly the same. Yeah. Thing. I think throw up is a good word. Like, yeah. And like online, I have to kind of find a balance between going crazy and like still being like, you know, you can move around the site and find things and the store. I didn't care. The store is like, right. let's let loose. Like the store is like war stick turned up to volume 10 and a half. Right. Um, right. and that's what kind of what was fun with, I mean, as hard as it was to, I mean, it's a two year project, but like, that's what it is. It's like, let's just let it hang, you know? So that's why I say when people go there, they're like, damn, this is not subtle. You know? I mean, there's a, there's wolves, there's stuffed wolves in the window. There's uh bison in the store. Um, I mean, there's a coyote running around. I mean, it's, it's crazy, you know? Gotta go there. Yeah, it's fun. Like if you're a war stick, I mean, that's kind of the point. Like I don't, if you're a, if you're just a baseball fan, it's not like, oh, I got to go to Warstick. If you're a Warstick fan, you got to go to Warstick. Like, that's, yeah. it's meant for our fans. Like, it's built for them, you know? And they, dude, they get, when they walk in, they get it. They're like, oh, yeah, this, this, nothing in here is like, surprises me, but it's crazy, but I get it, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And we had actually, uh, and it was just like two weeks ago, the entire Mississippi State baseball team was here in uh, town playing in a tournament. Right. Okay. And so yeah, we had the we had a uh, yeah we had coaching staff, um, the entire team, Coach Polk, um, the rate you know Jim Ellis, like the whole shebang. Uh, Everett, the bus driver, the bus was pulled up in front of the building. It was awesome for me. Like they were there for like three that's, hours. We had like a big that's why Bryce you know, like a big dinner. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there was players, and you know, they're they're sponsored by another brand, so we had to kind of keep it on the down low because that's what. It wasn't about that. It was about I'm I'm an alumni and I want to host my boys, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they were uh, the guys were buying all kinds of stuff <laughs> at the counter, so which is awesome. So, um, yeah, it was really cool, like full circle moment. It was pretty cool to have them there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as we're oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, I, I was gonna say like I was gonna say it's not it's not that I don't want them. I mean, if they ask, I'm sponsoring. It's as simple as that. I would. How would I say no? You know, right. absolutely. So, um, but, but timing I, wise, we'll see. Kind of winding down, and just to tie it all back to Mississippi State, I have to I have to tell mm-hmm. you. So this, like, your I'm not going to say obsession, but like, you're you seem to like the war, battle, um, <laughs> just other cultures, and and just being um, mm-hmm. connected to people of different walks of life. There's this. Yeah, like I, I'm trying not to say it, but like there's this comparison to Mike Leach that I really do see. And um, oh, yeah. do you have you have you ever felt that or or heard that from anybody before? No, I've never heard it. Actually, Jake Mangum introduced me to Mike a couple of years ago when I was in town, and uh, he was there, and um, definitely one of the most unique individuals that I've ever oh. met. Yeah, and you know, like other people say, like what was so striking is just that. He's, I don't know. I do have a thing for like people that just don't care what anybody else thinks of them. Mm-hmm. And right. that's Mike Leach, right? So there's yeah. something important about that. I think it doesn't mean he doesn't respect other people. In fact, I've heard nothing but that he was a very sweet guy and treated people amazing. So that's also important. But like, yeah, that was the thing that struck me. It's like this guy just is his own dude. Like Coach Polk is totally different than Mike Leach, but same thing. Like just doesn't, you don't really care what other people, but, and that's an important thing in life. If you can actually do that, because if you're going around comparing yourself to everybody else or 
trying to be what you're not, eh, you're not going to really have an enjoyable life in that regard, you know? Yeah. So, um, I've never heard anybody compare me to Mike Leach. That's ridiculous. He's, I know one thing he's a complete, he's way in, more intelligent than me when it comes to, uh, all kinds of things, especially like how to, uh, design a football play, but, um, that's <laughs> right. cool. Well, um, yeah. There's, but there's yeah, I think that's, like, yeah. Like he went to law school and went into like left law mm -hmm. school and went into coaching and like you got a graphic design degree and degree and now you're like with a baseball company. Obviously like you're using that graphic design, uh, with this baseball yeah. company, but at the same time, like he probably used some practices, some parts of law oh, for and sure. coaching, but like, there's just like getting a degree that doesn't exactly yeah. match exactly what you're doing. I don't know. There's just some, no. and then he used like a bunch of, uh, the Shinzu's like, uh, like the art mm -hmm. of war, art of war and, yeah. and a bunch of his stuff. And I saw that and I was like, yeah, huh, that's kind of, you know, that was, that was kind of yeah. my first thoughts, the comparison one. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I love war. I just like the concept of, the warrior. I don't know that concept. Well, that concept of that like well, the book War and Peace, just like not even the book itself, War and Peace, but the concept of that. What are what are the two heaviest things in life? War and peace. We we have wars to create peace. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just the extremes of life, you know. And right. and I don't know. Like, there's something to life is really boring if without those two, but <laughs> it's just, I don't know. Like I just really like and appreciate when people are really, really either completely in the moment or they're, or like someone like Jake, who's just, when he's there just to watch him play is a joy because he's just so enjoying being alive. You know what I mean? And so I don't know those two concepts, like they're the two sides of the same coin, but like, um, you know, I think Leach just, he's pretty, pretty on that, you know, when it comes to just, he didn't have a plan about that. He just was living it, you know? It, that's. I don't think he planned these things out. I think he just was very in tune with what he was supposed to be about, you know? So, right. I don't know. So I always gravitate towards, you know, whether it's character, a real-life character or a movie character or something like that, I just kind of gravitate towards interesting, you know, being, people being cool. You know, being cool, I have high school teenagers, for God's sakes. Like, being cool, I'm like, guys, being cool isn't a thing you go learn at school, okay? Being cool is, like, developing your own version of what you're about and then not being like everybody else, and that's cool. Like, everybody thinks it's about fitting in, especially teenagers. And it's like, it's not. It's about not fitting in at all, you know? <laughs> right. Um, and that's what branding is. If you think about it, branding is – Hey, I'm going to take this thing and make it different so that people recognize it among other things, you know? So, and that's, you know, when I looked at baseball, I was like, man, everybody looks, talks and acts the same here. So maybe <laughs> that, you know, maybe, uh, there could be a more interesting thing here. You know, that's it. Hmm. Yep. Well, one final question. Um, hmm? do you have a bucket list and what are a few things on it? Hmm. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I don't do a bucket list because I have kind of felt like it's better to discover a lot. Like I've never, one thing is I've never, never retiring is on my bucket list. That's one. Okay. I have no interest in retiring. I'm very good at the same time about like when I'm feel like I'm tired and I can't, I don't have anything like, mm, I don't have any energy for creativity. 
at the time, which happens, it doesn't, it's not a constant thing. You go up and down. Like when I'm tired, I go surf, I go fly fish and I love those things. And I kind of like, that's all I really want to do. Like I'm at the moment and maybe I have to find something else that I really enjoy doing, but like I'm in a river, I'm as happy as can be. So I really love what I get to do. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm, I am the doing the bucket list, you know, but like, right. cause I, it's like, it's hard. Like I'm at a point where I could sell war stick, um, and be pretty dang wealthy. Um, which is something, but like, I'm like, what am I going to do? Fly fish more and surf more? I don't know. <laughs> Cause really what I enjoy is like, I enjoy the work. I mean, I'll complain about it like anybody else. There's, there's always something going on that you got to fix or problems that you got to solve. But like, um, man, I don't, I want to go to Patagonia and fish. That's about it. That's, that's pretty uh, good go to ice. No, it's cool. Like <laughs> the cool thing about surfing and fly fishing, especially fly fishing, I'm much better at surfing. I still, I'm okay. And you got but the like, design I lo- two things that you use in that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I designed the rods that I fish. So now when I go to Patagonia, Warstick is, can pay for it because I say so. Um, <laughs> you know, so like, uh, you know, like those, I mean, I'm more, you know, I worry a lot about, I mean, I have three boys, uh, you know, one's in junior high, one's in high school, one just started college. So it's like, you know, pretty, my bucket list is helping them become what they're going to be and all that. But like, I don't know, like, I don't, man, no one's ever asked me the bucket list question, but I, I literally can answer that I do not have a bucket list, but going to Patagonia and fishing pops up to my mind, you know, and I, well, I actually do have one. Like I'd love to design and build my own house someday, but not a big one, just a cool one. You know what I mean? Like that's definitely gotcha. okay. That one's on my. That's my bucket list. Okay. So Patagonia, you never fly retire, fishing and, Patagonia. and build your own. Place. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. I'd be list. bored. Like I can't. I can't not work. I mean, I can take days off and chill and fly fishing this, but like, I mean, when you're a creative person, like, it doesn't really make sense to retire, like, because it's what you do, like, and it's what. If if a creative person doesn't work, <laughs> you know what they do? They go insane. <laughs> And I really, what's not on my bucket list is to go insane because a creative person's mind can go on and on and on and on. And I haven't, like we have kind of a cool talent where we can kind of see things in the future that we think could be real. Well, you can also, when you're not creating, you can turn that into a nightmare of in your own brain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a pretty dangerous thing. So you just keep working, <laughs> you know, like it's just kind of a thing we all kind of know. You just kind of keep putting that energy into making stuff. And if it gets bad, who cares? Like if you're making bad stuff, who cares? Just make stuff, you know? So. Right. We'll see. <laughs> well, Ben, we have... Sorry, I didn't mean to sound crazy on you guys. No, you're but... good, man. That was an awesome <laughs> answer. <laughs> we have uh, absolutely mm-hmm. loved getting to hear all about your life and uh, time at Mississippi State. Yeah. Obviously about Warstick as well. And um, glad we were able to stump you with that last question. But you, you, you handled it pretty No well. worries. Thank you. Well, yeah, it's great getting to know you guys, and I think it's really cool what you're doing. Thank you, man. Go dogs. Go dogs. Hail State. All All right, man. Thanks, Ben. Okay, so that was awesome. Um, I I guess now we we get into the Vanderbilt preview. Uh, Yeah, I'm still on a high from that one. (laughs) But, um, yeah, Vanderbilt this weekend, SEC home opener, um, and we're (laughs) – we're getting right into it. I mean, it's it's Vanderbilt. We um, we don't we don't have any more cupcakes like Kentucky, so um, <laughs> <whew>. right. <laughs> Cup- 
<laughs> so going going into SEC play, I would say us and Vanderbilt were like very like very on a very similar track. Like hadn't quite figured out every aspect of the team. I mean, they had lost five games. Um, I think we were. I think we're right around that. I think we've lost eight now. So, yeah, uh, we'd lost the same number of games, and they'd won all their series, but had just dropped random games. Central Arkansas um, did drop a game to uh, TCU, one to UCLA in that series that they did end up winning. Um, but they lost a game to Nebraska, and it just, Loyola Marymount, it they just seemed like... 15 like, innings with, who was it? Um... 17 innings with Evansville, and yeah. they won two to one. So they were just very inconsistent, hadn't figured it all out, and that's very, very rare for Vanderbilt. Like it, it's, they always seem like very militaristic, like they, they've got it all figured out from the beginning because that's just Tim Corbin. Um, but they came out first weekend of SEC play against Ole Miss and absolutely hammered them, outscored Ole Miss twenty-seven to four on the way to a sweep, and. Um, any struggle that the bats were having, they did not have them last weekend. Um, they, uh, I think, every pitcher that they had, um, every starting pitcher that they had, had his best performance of the year. And when that happens, you're you're gonna get a sweep. Uh, yeah. So, um, Ole Miss kind of exposed for like not really being the same team they were last year. Lost a lot of talent and have lost some pitching depth this year, but. Uh, I think it was more than just Ole Miss getting exposed. It was really Vanderbilt kind of finding themselves, and uh, that's kind of scary going into. Yeah, it's a, a, it's a scary thing to see when Vanderbilt finds themselves, because because right. you can always kind of tell when it's like a Vanderbilt team and then like a Vanderbilt team, like right, and, and that was kind of like one of those marquee like yeah we're back now wins, mm-hmm. and it's just something about that home stadium like. It really is hard to win games there. Um, I mean, even 2021, uh, we we went there and we lost the series. We were competitive. Uh, we, we beat Jack Leiter that weekend, but it's just a, a weird stadium, and it's hard to win there. So, um, They're so good at playing I, on their turf. <laughs> yeah. I, I really do. Like I said, I, I think that series said a lot more about Vanderbilt than it did about Ole Miss. I think when we look back at the end of the year, Ole Miss will be fine, but Vanderbilt is – um, they keep playing like last weekend. They they are the best team in the state of Tennessee. So, um, which is which is scary because Tennessee was there for a little while. Um, one year maybe. It was one year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, looking just at an overview of their offense, even though it, it was completely different last week. This is the overview for the whole season. They have two guys, uh, two normal starters, batting over three hundred. Team batting average of two sixty seven, which is really really low um I'd, I'd have to think that's that's probably the lowest if not just one of the lowest in the sec we bat 300 as a team um we also out, out homer them they have 26 on the year to our i think 35 but seven of those home runs for them last week were seven of those home runs were last weekend against Ole miss so they really did just come into form at the perfect time um Another thing about their offense, uh, which is going to be counted as something to keep your eye on, is they do not draw many walks. They're 113th in the country uh, at drawing walks, and we are fourth in the country at doing that. We walk a lot. Vanderbilt doesn't. um, But our pitching staff walks a lot. So we'll see if Vanderbilt gets more patient this weekend, if they kind of rely on our pitchers to 
put Enrique Bradfield Jr. on base. Um, yeah, and, and just... uh, Enrique, he hasn't really arrived yet this year. And and you yeah. know, by the end of the season, he's going to be up there like 330, 340. Um, like, it's, yeah. it's kind of kind of scary that he's not one of those guys that's batting over 300 right now because we know what he can do. We've watched him for three years at this point. And right. he's, he's going to hit stride eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that's scary, but I mean, anytime he gets on base, I mean, you can walk him, he can get a single, whatever. He's going to end up at third, especially with our catchers and the situation we have going on there. We couldn't get him um, with Logan Tanner. Yeah, I mean, that, that. I remember when we played there in 2021, the announcers were like, well, now the chess match begins, who's going to win? And it like wasn't even close. Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, it's something about the turf, because like, he can just start his slide halfway to second base, and he's just there. And... Um, so yeah, I, I don't. He's crazy. He's a career three fifteen hitter, um, and yeah, he's at two forty seven right now. So you have to think that's going to come up. And oddly enough, uh, I just think it's like him to just turn it on during SEC play and just get his average up right now. So have that to look forward to. Um, we're going to be the jumping off point for Enrique Bradfield Jr. But uh, yeah, um, once you. Uh, preview what we're going to see pitching wise at least for the first two games yeah um so so i'm just going to go with their pitchers um they're they're all left-handed so so that's something um first one is uh, carter holton he has a 2.39 era 30 k's to 12 walks um it, not as scary as vanderbilt starters of all but you kind of have to assume like like he's good, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know. I, I'm. It feels weird hey. that they're not like first round picks. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the next guy is a uh, Hunter Owen, and I he's been there for a while, hasn't he? Yeah, I know he started a lot of games for him last year, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think he I think he's been on the team since at least 2021. So I mean, he's he's kind of a veteran guy that's finally found a spot in this in this weekend rotation yeah and then um the last one is uh devin futrell 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 um he has a 3.05 era 18 k's the 10 walks um they're consistent um like i mean you put them in a line i i mean which it'd be hard to say which one's better out of them all like I said, last weekend against Ole Miss, these three guys started in this order and all had their best performances of the year. They've been the that's been the weekend rotation all year long. It doesn't look like they've flipped anything. Um, and Hunter Owen on Sat on what well, was the game two? I think it was on Friday. He had uh, SEC Pitcher of the Week performance, um, complete game with only two hits, zero runs, eleven uh, strikeouts to one walk. I mean, he was lights out and did it all in less than a hundred pitches too. So. Um, all three of those guys had great performances, but it's hard to, to do any better than what I just uh, what I just said. So Hunter Owen is the guy to talk about. And you, you might think, like, why isn't he the Friday guy? Because I think all three of these guys are capable of doing that. Um, and they're all left-handed, so it's not like you want to switch them around to like give an advantage to, to one guy against our lineup. Like, they're all left-handed. We have a left-handed heavy lineup. Um, I think they're going to cause problems. And... Um, one thing that's going to 
give an advantage to one of these two teams, either us or Vanderbilt um, in this series is, is base running and uh, stealing bases. And I think that's 100% in, in, in Vanderbilt's favor in this series, because first of all, Enrique Bradfield Jr. exists and he's um, like a, I think the SEC leader, SEC like career record holder in stolen bases. And it's just growing and growing and growing. That lead is every time. Um, but yeah, uh, we're facing left-handed pitching all weekend uh, from the starting from the starting pitchers at least. So it's going to make it even harder for us to to get big leads and good jumps. Um, I don't know. We're two teams that at, at certain points throughout the year we've struggled offensively, and I think that you know if we're not able to um, get guys in the scoring position, you know we're going to have to string hits together, and we've we've proved that it's difficult for us to do that this year too. So. Um, Base stealing is going to be huge, and if Amani Larry and Colton Ledbetter can get a few and just jumpstart the offense, I, I think it'll be big, but it's going to be difficult. Yeah. Um, so. it, 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 it's a Vanderbilt team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those, those are three really, really good pitchers, and, like, Carter Holton may be better than the guy that went complete game with two hits last week. Um, yeah. It's it's crazy. I don't know how they get these guys. <laughs> I mean, like you were saying, it does feel a little bit um, more possible to win this series. You know, not going against Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter, um, but they're still right but, there. Like, <laughs> and we're still not the same offense that we were in twenty twenty one. Like I said, we haven't seen this team, or we haven't seen Vanderbilt. I know it's not the same team. We haven't seen Vanderbilt since twenty twenty one, where we faced them. Um, at Vanderbilt during the season, and then obviously during the national championship series, um, but yeah, completely different programs. That I mean, we on paper and on the field have kind of fallen off from that you know pedestal, and then Vanderbilt's just kind of taken a gone a tear down just because they lost a lot of pitching talent, obviously, um, but but they're still hovering right there. Uh, uh, they could easily be top of the SEC, um, and. I wouldn't bat an eye. So. Yeah, it's it's a weird, um, like, quiet Vanderbilt team, like yeah, <laughs> and that that might be the scariest kind of Vanderbilt team. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So I know it didn't really work out for us last week, but do you want to give a a prediction for what the series is going to look like? Okay. Um, well, we're losing game two. I, I, I yeah. know that to be true. Um, so now it's not that it's Gartman. It's not that it's Gartman. It's that it's Gartman on Saturday. Gartman versus Hunter Owen. Yeah, that's that's no good. Um. So it it comes down to um, and I'll be in attendance on Sunday for TBA versus Devin Fatrell, which mm-hmm. if Friday and Saturday don't go well that's dom starting right like yeah pretty much so so i'm gonna bring us a win on sunday you can take that to the bank um i like it i i'm gonna go with losing the series but salvaging sunday okay um i'm gonna be at saturday and sunday games um and i'm a sucker for punishment so I'm going to say we're going to win on Friday and lose Saturday and Sunday. Okay. So we're going to win, but while I'm there, we're going to lose both games. So both have us losing the series, but neither of us have us uh, getting swept. So that's, you know, 
Upgrade starting baby. SEC. Starting <laughs> SEC playing one and five is way better than starting zero and six. So, um, man, that that's giving me a little bit something to look forward to. You know, getting swept was no fun last weekend, but back at home, you know, we're back in the launch pad. Not going to be in twenty degree weather. Um, I'm excited about what this weekend has for yeah, us. Let's just um, win some games. Right. Looking around the country, we have a lot of, or several good matchups, ranked matchups, which is what we're going to bring up now. Um, and I'll just run through these real quick. And we also have a mid-major matchup that I want to point out as well. So um, in SEC play, we have number five, Arkansas, at number one, LSU. And that's just a silly series. Um, Arkansas kind of seems like they want to falter like every now and then in these midweek games or like in a random weekend game against a lesser opponent but they always find a way to win by like 10 runs and you know they're they, they are arkansas. crazy <laughs> they are arkansas and lsu is i mean unanimous number one team like they are the team to beat and um they they took care of a&m last week went in two out of three and so this is their just SEC play. I mean, week after week, you're going to face juggernauts, and now they're they're facing Arkansas. So, um, you know, we're, each week we're going to get to see LSU kind of prove that they are the team to beat. And uh, I think the winner of this series will actually get to say that. Um, so, next series is number 17, Miami, at number two, Wake Forest. Um, Wake Forest finally getting this attention that they've been begging for. Would hate to see something happen to that. Um, and now, number three, Florida at number 13, Ole Miss. Ole Miss dropping in the rankings quite a bit, but still uh, hovering up there at number 13. Hosting Florida in their SEC um, home opener. That's going to be a good one. Who do you want to win that? Well, I hate Kevin O'Sullivan. <laughs> I kind of like Mike Bianco. <laughs> but I like Florida, and I hate Ole Miss. It's, it's um, an interesting conundrum. Do you like Kim Balderman? <laughs> Uh, no. Mm-hmm. If they switched head coaches... Florida by uh, a mile. Florida by a country mile. But they're yeah. also playing at Ole Miss, so you don't want them and to I be have, happy. And I have to look at that batter's eye and that cow pasture in between right field and the stands. Uh, or goat, goat pasture. They would never have cows on their campus. Um, I... Yeah, I, I think I want Florida to win that one. I don't yeah, even know that, why it took me that long to figure yeah, that out. Yeah, but that Florida is... O'Sullivan. I just hate Kevin O'Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Off. Um, number 22, Missouri at number 11, South Carolina. If you know by now, we're a Mizzou podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we love Mizzou. We love Warstick. So, um, <laughs> yeah, got them in that one big time. 6-0 and in SEC play after this weekend. Um, the kiss of death for Mizzou. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Missouri. Sorry, Ben. Um, now, number 21, A&M at number 12, Tennessee. Um, Tennessee, SEC home opener, trying to get back on track after a weird, wacky, wild sweep from or at Mizzou by Mizzou. Totally expected um, sweep by Mizzou. Yeah, <laughs> war stick pod. Um, and then the last series on here, not a ranked matchup, but um, UTSA. The Roadrunners and the one of the best pitching staffs in America at Rice, and um, both of them undefeated in SEC play. Rice has had a play. What did I say? SEC. 
Oh, whoops. Uh, Rice, <laughs> um, you look at their records, UTSA obviously having a great year. Like I said, great pitching staff. Rice has kind of a uh, terrible record, but they've played nothing but Power 5 teams, like the whole non-conference slate. So uh, finally getting into CUSA play, and um, they, they're 3-0 so far. So uh, that should be a good series at Rice. Um at this point, we're going to continue on the longest podcast and going for two history. I think I did one um, longer when you were on your honeymoon. I think, yeah, you're right. The longest the, while I've been in the country. So we're <laughs> going to finish off with some Instagram questions and uh, not really sure how many we have. Probably we don't have that many. <laughs> right. Uh, so two of them, and they're both from Brooks Taylor. So thank you, Brooks, for sending these in. Um, and question number one. What changes should be made lineup-wise? Um, Tuesday, we saw Hunter Hines in the in the cleanup spot, which Hunter's been begging for, and I don't think we touched on that when we did the review of that game, but I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think early in the year, I was kind of thinking and kind of basing this off last year that he's kind of a feast or famine kind of player. Like, he's either going to strike out or hit a home run, and I, I made the quote, like, I'd rather him hit a home run with – nobody on base then strike out with the bases loaded but while he's hot i mean put him in the four hole and just i mean see what could happen it's there's got to be a little bit more production than having luke hancock there and and luke can get a walk in the seven hole just like he can in the four hole so that's my main um lineup change while we have these lefties pitching to us starting pitchers we're probably going to start ross he gives us our best chance at a right-handed lineup um and then, or, or just because we're putting another right-hander in that lineup, and then I think he gives us the best chance to throw out Enrique Bradfield Jr. So, um, yeah. And then ha- having Luke at first, Hunter Hines DH. Um, should Aaron Downs like get in? Like, I wouldn't mind that. You know, like if, he was like pretty pretty good. <laughs> Not gonna I think lie, he's an outfielder, right? Yeah, that's what he would play. Okay, he DH'd in the midweek game, but. If Ross starts behind the play, that that won't be. He an could option. just swap. So, he could just uh, DH instead of moving Luke up. But then we wouldn't have Hunter Hines. Yeah. Hunter Hines just play first. Oh, so you're saying Downs instead of Luke? Downs, no. Instead of moving Ross in and then Luke to first and then Hunter to uh, DH, just okay. Yeah, that DH would make sense. because yeah, you're getting a right-hander anyway. Okay. Uh, yeah. Or if we wanted to go no Bryce Chance, no Dakota Jordan in the outfield, we could have Aaron Downs out there. But I'm, I've never really seen his defense. I don't know. I would assume it's as good as Bryce Chance. Or... Surely he can play defense. Surely he can play left field. Um, like Cameron James. My favorite outfielder. <laughs> and then question number two uh, from Brooks. Do we need to start some tradition or rally item like the banana from a few years back. Um, if I had to come up with a rally item for this team, it would be like, you know, like on the scoreboard where it does like the, the like batted balls, mm-hmm. like that being on a zero would be pretty cool. <laughs> or like the errors not... also being a zero. <laughs> our tradition is not walking or making errors. Or like um... our score being higher than the other teams. I don't know. I, I don't think, and I, I don't. I don't know if I don't think Brooks was trying to insinuate this, but like the whole 
rally tradition thing like that has to come up pretty organically. Like it just happened to be like we were in a tight game in the SEC tournament or in a super regional, I think is what it was. Um, I think it was actually the regional. Yeah, whatever. Like he had, he just happened to put, eat a banana during a game. Like, and that then Adidas was sending gear to the Mississippi State team with bananas all over it. Like it was a weird couple of weeks. Um, I don't how know, did, I'm sorry. How you did people get like banana suits that fast? <laughs> I don't know. Like, where did you stop on the way to Omaha to find this? Um, yeah. So like, of course it'd be fun to to have something like that happen, and like, I think that's what makes college baseball probably more fun than MLB is that like stuff like that happens every year for whoever it is. Um, one thing I think we can stop is the dogs win again flag. If that's still a is thing. that still a thing? Surely not. I know they're not posting about it. Yeah, last year they decided they were going to raise that after every win, so they raised it like six times. And um, you were you were early on that. I was like, this isn't a good idea because the <laughs> first time they did it, it, like the wind was blowing so hard you couldn't, like they failed they putting up the flag. They didn't attach it to the pole very well, so you couldn't even see the flag. Oh yeah, um, I remember. I was a Twitter reply guy on that. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, it was a bad omen from the start. But, um, yeah, I'd love some tradition to start organically, but nothing's worse than a team that tries to do it, like, themselves, like Ole Miss, doing the don't let the Rebs get hot. Cringe. They let the Rebs get hot, though. They did. And Dogs won again, so. <laughs> um, just don't. I didn't see Ole Miss raising a don't let the Rebs get hot flag. That would be bizarre. All right, that is it for Instagram questions, and that is it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to us talk about Arkansas State, Vanderbilt, and other games around the country. Thanks for listening to the interview with Ben Jenkins from uh, Warstick. Uh, We loved having him on, and we hope to have some more guests on in the future. So um, if you liked it, send us a DM. Tell us who you'd you'd want us to get on next, and uh, maybe we'll we'll start that soon. So uh, until next time. This is Going For Two with Jack Taylor. Thanks so much. So, the after show, we're here now. Japan won the World Baseball Classic. Uh, mm-hmm. Shohei's really good. Um, hot seat Mike Trout. Um, he didn't touch a um, uh, hundred and one mile per hour pitch, a hundred and two mile per hour pitch, a uh, ninety-two mile per hour slider with like sixteen inches of horizon, horizontal fade or whatever. Um, that's that's a weird argument to have. Um, what if, happened? Uh, how could you not? I can't believe Hunter Renfro struck out there. Um, anything else happened in sports? Um, Arkansas lost by 20 in the Sweet 16. My team the would NL East, The NL East is falling apart. Um, banned spring training. Um, Tennessee's about to lose the FAU. I may be taking a commanding lead in the bracket challenge. Wait, are they really? Yeah, they're down oh. nine uh, minute thirty left. What happened? Uh... <laughs>
Is the SEC washed? I think they might be washed. Does that mean we have the root for Bama? Nope. I'm, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm like, we're a Houston pod. Well, I guess that was the after show. Um, see ya.